0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Back 9 Report. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews, and we cover anything and everything golf. In other words, if it happened in golf, we have it for you. My name is Carlos Torres. Every week, I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alveder. Fred, hi. how are you this week?
1: Carlos, uh, fantastic. Uh, We just got back to Toledo today. We spent uh, eight days up in Cadillac, Michigan. Evidently, we stayed a little bit too long up there. On Sunday, we had 12 inches of snow. It was a real mess. It snowed all day. But we drove back to Toledo today. The roads were clear, uh, so it all worked out fine. Hey, we only got two more shows left this calendar year, but we still have lots of golf to talk about, so let's go. Let's get right to it, Carlos.
0: I just have one question for you before we go yep. on
1: this I mean you, you were in Michigan but you're from Ohio. who yeah. are you rooting for this weekend Oh there's no you know the answer to that <laughs> the Buckeyes. Oh, uh, you know the, oh you know you okay, know the answer okay, to that okay, yeah, I have a lot of so Michigan much friends time in Michigan you know I know, that I, know. That I, I, I
0: sometimes you know, start to doubt that a little
1: bit you know. that'll that'll never happen I that yeah. will never ever happen. Uh, I do, I I have to tell you, I have a deep respect for Michigan University, and I hate the fact of what their football team has been going through over the last 10 years. Um, Every program goes through it for a time. Ohio State went through it, you know, kind of in the 80s and a little bit in the 90s. Um, And, uh, you know, when John Cooper was there, they could beat everybody except Michigan. Uh, John Cooper sent a lot of kids to the pros, which is, you know, with his job, uh, but they couldn't beat the University of Michigan. And, and I grew up, Carlos, uh, this is how important this is. I mean, I grew up, uh, my first football game I went to was in 1968, and Ohio State went on to win the, uh, win the, the uh, championship that year, uh, national championship under Woody Hayes. And then in 1969, I was a freshman in that game that they kept talking about, 24-12, that number will stay burned in my head forever. Uh, I was a freshman at that game, and it's just like the air went out of the campus when Michigan beat Ohio State that day in 1969, because <laughs> uh, they were going, Ohio State was going to go on a repeat as national champions in 1969. They basically had the same team. It was it was phenomenal. And um, that started off the 10-year war with, um, you know, with Michigan, and uh, Bum. Yeah, it just it was, it was just it was it was a great great time to be an Ohio State fan. It has been for a long long time, and and uh, uh, I always look forward to the Michigan game. We I watched it from start to finish. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, Carlos. Uh, so that's enough about football. We gotta get back to golf, man. Okay,
0: we, got, we gotta get to golf. And every week we start with the weekend backstring where we tell you what happened on the big tournaments that were going on this past weekend. And uh, the first one that we're going to talk about is the European tour, and that was the Alfred Dunhill Championship, where Pablo de La- Pablo La Raza you know, he earned his first European tour win in nearly five years. But you know what? He took inspiration from Tiger Woods' 2008 U.S. Open victory. I mean, the Spaniard took a three-shot lead into the final round of the $1.65 million Alfred Dunhill Championship in South Africa but he was battling painful blisters and swing problems. He made six bogeys and a double bogey around the Leopard Creek Country Club, and at one stage, he was three shots off the lead. It appeared as the way to get back into the winner's circle will go on. However, he was able to regroup. He rallied to make three birdies in his last four holes to earn his fifth European Tour win. La Raza had You know, several players chasing him down the stretch, uh, but Joel Soholm, Charles Schwalzo, uh, Brendan Grace and round one leader Will Bessling all couldn't make their chances count. So La Raza was three over 75, gave him an eight under 280 total and a one-shot win over Soholm. So when when he was speaking to the European tour after he won, he said, you know, I woke up this morning and I didn't think I was going to play. I couldn't put my shoe on. I couldn't walk to the buggy. I really struggled in the back nine. I have a big blister on my right toe. And I said to myself, if Tiger can win a U.S. Open in a broken leg, and I just fought hard and did it. So, you know, 36-year-old Spanier picked up a check of approximately $262,000, moved to the top of the 2020 race to Dubai in the first event of the 2020 season, there's only one so far, so he's on the top. He also earns an exemption through the end of 2021. Also, former Georgia State player, Soham, took home approximately 182000 for his solo second place. Uh, Fred, rounding up the top ten, were in a tie for third at six under, Charles Schwartzel, Brendan Grace, and Will Bessling. Solo six was Daniel Van Thunder. And tie for seventh were Justin Harding, Johannes Beerman, MJ Viljoen, and Zender Lombard. And one more thing to notice, uh, Fred, before I turn it over to you, is that the European Tour knew that there was going to be a lot of heat. Because as you know, even though we are right now at fall here, the other hemisphere is completely the opposite of where we are. So it's, getting very very hot so they allowed for the first time to the players to the golfers to wear shorts during tournament play so it wasn't only before the european tour was allowing it on practice range they said hey this is so hot man you can just keep going don't worry play it all all weekend that was fun to see some of the players there wearing shorts during the tournament, that would that look weird because you're, we're not used to that. But it, it, it would look funny. It would look funny.
1: Sounds like we need to get Pablo a new shoe deal. Uh, you know, maybe he should talk to Matt Kuchar and get himself some of those Skechers. I got to tell you, I wear sketchers. I love them. They're they're great on your legs. They're great on your feet. No no blisters here, Carlos. He needs to he needs to look into that. Uh, Sweden's Joel Soholm did contend for a while. Took home the biggest check of his career, 165,000 euro, about 180,000 uh, uh, US. Um, and as you say, it's the first turn of the season, so it gets him off to a, a good start. Uh, as we reported last week, Charles Swartz will made his return to competitive golf uh, this week at uh, the offer of Dunhill. Uh, he's won there four times, finished runner up four times. Uh, he nearly pulled it off once again. Successful comeback, finished high for third, just two shots back of Laura ball. And you talk about the high temperatures and the shorts, Carl. Carlos, I just, I just can't, I can't get used to the shorts on these guys. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just not, uh, not for me. Um, I, it probably was great for them because it was so hot and good for them and and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I do wear shorts when I play when it's hot out. Um, but uh, you know, on golf tournaments, I, I just. I can't get used to it. I don't know, man. It didn't, it just didn't look right to me. <laughs>
0: hey, man, I, I'm all for it. I like it. I like the idea. I would wear it every day if I were, to, if I was available to do that. But I can't. I can't, especially because it's not that hot here right now. Even though I'm in Texas, it's cold, man. It's cold. So anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I know it's a different feel, but. Hey, you know, if they like it and it uh, looks good on them, hey, who knows? Those are, that's a way to get some more endorsements. And I don't know if you saw the the, um, the picture that they took from La- uh, Pablo when he won in the trophy. It's this leopard, because that's the Leopard Creek where they are playing. So it's like a leopard, and he took off his shoes. The first thing he did was take off his shoes, and then he was posing with, the, with that um, right foot foot where he had those blisters <laughs> on over, the <laughs> over on top of the, the, the leopard. There. That was funny. I mean, he was like, I conquer it with this here. But anyway, before we move on to our and because this was only the, the big tournament and any major tour, um, since we talked about last week that the Ladies European Tour is, uh, is now on a joint venture with the LPGA for next year, and they're going to finish at the Andalusia. It's going to be the race to the Andalusia uh, now for next year. Anne Van Damme, I want to do a quick recap that Anne Van Damme, she might have the most coveted swing in women's professional golf. She's Dutch. She she crutches it off the tee. I mean, she was the longest hitter in both the LET and the LPGA uh, this past year. And the European call, uh, Solheim Copper has continued to play her win column because she defended her title Sunday at the Ladies European Tour, Andalusia Costa del Sol Open, Espana, which is going to be the last tournament next year. It's going to be like the championship for it. And this was her, fir- her fifth title on that tour, and it was an impressive display of golf in that free- final round because partially uh, because she had to overtake her friend from – from Denmark, Nada Quartz Mattson to win her second title in this event. Interestingly, even Spanier Miguel Ángel Jiménez made an appearance in the gallery for the final round. So you can imagine golf's most interesting man was even there to watch them. Uh, it was interesting to see Van Dam play to her length and place her tee shot in the middle of the fairway at the last. She won with a seemingly easy par. Uh, for a final round 70 and a 13-under. She said she didn't expect to see Madsen's final hole unfold the way that it did for her. So Madsen tied for second with Aditi Ashok, who had 12-under. And Fred Van Dam is the second player in in recent history to win back-to-back Spanish Open titles. Uh, As Jara Muñoz from Spain did it in 2016 and 2017, and now the LET will wrap up its regular season this week at the magical Kenya Ladies Open, which is a new event on the schedule. But looking forward to seeing more of this uh, ladies, and try to see what's gonna be the LPGA uh, bringing to the LET next year, friend.
1: Yeah, good get on catching this. I, I completely whiffed on this one, Carlos. Uh, I didn't catch it, and uh, so uh, good coverage on that and good catch. I, I don't have anything more for you on that, Carlos.
0: No, I, I just wanted to, you know, just give mm-hmm. you a, a, a little
1: take on it and yeah. see,
0: you know, if you wanted cool. to comment something about the the LPGA and the LED for next year. That was, yeah, no, that was
1: just we of. covered it, and yeah, we talked about it last week, and I, I really think, you, I, I, I think you're right, though. We need to be, you, we probably need to be covering the Ladies European Tour a little bit more, and uh, we'll be watching the growth. I, I, I think that we'll see, uh, and, and, you know, the, the uh, commissioner over there, Dottie, already said that she's seen more interest, more sponsors, uh, you know, hopefully. You know, when I was over there, they were having trouble getting TV time, and they were, you know they were so excited that the, that ladies' Turkish Open was going to have a couple days covered on television, because uh, they just don't they just don't get that over there. And uh, so um, they've been struggling for a while. And hopefully this uh, partnership with the LPGA Tour will uh, will really help turn that thing around and get them going. Because as we said last week, we really need a strong ladies' European Tour to keep that Solheim Cup viable and, and vibrant.
0: Definitely now let's move on to the forecall where we preview what's going to happen this upcoming weekend and there's a fairly nice tournament even though a small reduced uh amount of players are going to be there uh it's the hero world challenge on the pga tour and uh, one important thing to mention about it is that the tournament host tiger woods announced that the hero world challenge will be benefiting the Hurricane Dorian recovery effort in the Bahamas. Uh, In October, the tournament had announced proceeds will be split between Woods TGR Foundation and the One Bahamas Fund to help the islands recover from the effects of the Category 5 storm. Now there will be an added incentive for the competitors in the Hero uh, World Challenge field because the tournament will make a donation of $500 for each birdie. A thousand for each Eagle and twenty five hundred for any holding one during the competition. The One Bahamas Fund you might remember if not, let me just remind it to you a little bit, was started by Tiger Woods, Justin Timberlake, the Nexus Luxury Collection and Royal Bank of Canada. And now the twenty nineteen Hero World Challenge brings host Tiger Woods and seventeen more of the top golfers in the world to the Bahamas for the Final individual PGA Tour event of 2019. The Presidents Cup and the QBE Shootout will run next week before the the golf world takes a short hiatus ahead of the Century Tournament of Champions. The first week of January, the event returns to Albany for the fifth year, uh, consecutive year. Three of the previous four champions, including defending champ John Ram, will be there. A total of six of the top ten golfers from the official World Golf ranking are in the field and competing for the chair of the three point five million dollar purse. The one important note to make is that Chess Reevy was named as replacement for Dustin Johnson last week as the number four golfer in the world, uh, is not yet ready. He's still recovering from his arthroscopic surgery in September to repair cartilage and damage in his left knee. And he had a, he has not teed up since the tour championship in August and he announced on Saturday that he wasn't gonna play, so they named Chess Reeby uh, the number thirty six guy in the world, having moved up from number sixty three at the end of last year. He's he had a very good year. He's gonna be replacing Dustin Johnson, friend.
1: Yeah, and the only uh, only a couple of international guys in this thing, John Rahm and uh, Justin Rose. Um, Rahm, of course, I think is the defending champion in this thing. Um, so, uh, And Rahm's coming off winning there um, in uh, in Dubai, winning, winning the uh, race of Dubai. So he's got to be a favorite going in here. Of course, Tiger played well the last time he teated up in Japan. he uh, have got some pretty good names, Jordan Spieth, Henrik Stenson. Not quite – I mean, you said six t- of t- t- the top ten in the world, but still, you know, no Rory – um, you know, some of the other guys, uh, big names are not there that are ahead of some of these guys, but, and then look how deep you have to go when Dustin Johnson decides he's not going to play. You got to go clear down to Ches Reeby. So, um, you know, I, it's, uh, it, it, maybe it's losing the luster a little bit. And Carlos, I really think this is part of this deal that, and we're going and I'm going to touch more on this later too in the show, but these guys are making so much money. Uh, they don't have to play in these in these freebies like this, you know, where, where you're going to make a big check just by showing up. They don't have to do it. Uh, they can stay home. They can take an extra week off and worry about playing in the majors next year or, or in something that really matters. Uh, these kind of deals, although they pay big money, uh, they just don't need to do it. So uh, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I'll be watching this weekend a little bit, see what Tiger does, of course, see what Jordan Speed does. I, I really think this is important. Um, I really think it's important for Jordan Spieth to start playing well uh, heading into next year. Um, he needs a really, really big comeback year. Uh, hopefully he can do that in 2020, and I, I think now's the time for him to maybe kind of set the tone for that. So, uh, yeah, we've got a couple guys out. Uh, pretty much all the President's Cup guys are there except now Dustin Johnson. Uh, Brooks Kepka had to bow out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it should be fun, Carlos.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Jordan, uh, he won this tournament in 2014, but, uh, he did it at a different venue. That was when it was played at Isleworth Country Club. Uh, the, uh, the third person you mentioned that, that is international is Henrik Stenson, uh, oh, there, yeah. and he doesn't have a win since the 2017 Windham Championship, but has five top ten showings this, uh, year. He, of course, have been hampered by injuries for the past couple of years. Uh, other players uh, there, Kevin Kisner last played here 2017 tied for 12. About Jordan, I was gonna play. We're gonna. I was gonna say he didn't participate last year, but was T three in 2017. He's definitely maybe the top potter in the field, but his T2 green game, Jordan Manning still remains sucks. a mess. Just That's sucks. what you have to fix. <laughs> I mean, man, come on. I, I, I'm the driver. I'm for you. Come on, you gotta do it. It is incredible that he has the worst official World Golf ranking on those in attendance. He's down to 44. Wow. It's it's amazing. I mean, that's incredible. Another player that is really not in that much form, didn't have a good year, not as Jordan, but uh, surprisingly, is Bryson DeChambeau, another good potter, but his ball striking game hasn't been in good enough form lately. Uh, He was number five in the world at this time last year and had won five times uh, but he's number 12 entering this week so he hasn't played since the Shriners Open but he finished T4 there this could be a very good venue for him uh, Tani now is going to be here Patrick Reed, who has struggled slightly with the flat stick of late he's going to be there Ricky Fowler of course trying to get in shape to go to the President's Cup one player that it's for the first time um, is the only golfer Uh, on the field making his debut at Albany is Webb Simpson who enters the week just outside the top 10 in the world rankings at number 11 following his runner-up at the RSM Classic but hey Webb don't worry John Ram made his debut in a victory a year ago so you can do it Patrick Cantley who is playing light south is going to be there as well Uh, Tiger is going to be paired with uh, with Justin Thomas so the pairings uh, to wrap it up is going to be Justin Rose and John Ram. Kevin Kistner will be playing with Bubba Watson. Sander Choffley with uh, Gary Woodland. Sanders playing really, really good. Uh He was T8 last year, and he's coming off a runner-up result at the WGC, HSBC champions in China. Bryson will be playing with Webb. Patrick Reed with Patrick Cantley. So two Patricks there, huh? Tiger with Justin, Ricky Fowler and Tony Finau, Chess Weavy with Matt Kutcher, and
1: Henrik Stenson, and Jordan Spees. Now remember this we is Wednesday
0: see, through Saturday.
1: Yes, are we go- gonna see uh are we gonna see Cantley paired with Reed in the uh present yep. Are we gonna see that? Yep. Yeah. At
0: Eleven twenty four Eastern time. So
1: yeah.
0: watch out. That's two Patrick's there. That's a that's like yin and yang, right? I mean it's like opposite guys yeah. there. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if he can't win this thing though. I mean he you know, he was playing really well all year and uh, you know, I you know, he may wanna kinda of have a little chip on his shoulder and wanna say, Hey, I you know, I can win this thing too so Yeah. Well oh,
0: he has finished twice uh, as the runner up since the beginning of August at the BMW championship at the trainers Hospital for Children Open, and of course one tournament that you remember very well, it was where he collected his second PGA Tour win at the Memorial Memorial Tournament and tied for fifth here last year, so he is definitely one of those players to look for. So anyway, if you want to watch it, remember it's going to be Wednesday through Saturday on Golf Channel from uh, 1 to 4 p.m. Wednesday through Friday, and then on Saturday it's going to be 10 to noon on Golf Channel, and then from noon to 3 p.m. is going to be on NBC. That's the final round. Now let's move on to the European Tour, where they're going to be playing the Afrasia Bank Mauritius Open. The you know, the 2019 European Tour season was launched in remarkable style last weekend at Leopard Creek, with the one eventual winner, Pablo, Pablo Larraza, was final circuit. First, resemble a distressed animal lurking around the nearby Kruger National Park, ready to be picked up by the chasing pack, and then concluded with him finding something special from within to escape their clutches and complete a fifth victory at this level. So now the tour moved east to Mauritius, the big island there, and the week marked something of a rarity because the European Senior circuit, the stationary tour, is also in the, in the India in the Indian Ocean just three hours north in Seikils. Uh, this tournament has been shared between Heritage Golf Course in the south of the island, which again Host this week for a third time, and the Four Seasons Resort in Anahita on the east coast. South Africans have dominated uh, at Heritage with George Coetzea taking the first trophy in 2015 and Dylan Fratelli in the third in late uh, 2017, so it's worth bearing in mind that Mauritius is a very popular vacation and property-owning destination for South Africans and also the French, so many golfers of both nationalities have connections, former or otherwise in the island. Some of the top players to watch this week, Fred, Thomas Peters, uh, Benjamin Bird. Thomas Peters is starting to look like the guy that we saw a few years ago, Benjamin Bird. It's the first time that he's going to be here, but not uh, not at the event, but not because he meets the cut 12 months ago at Anahita. He started the season with high hopes. Christian Hutt is playing very well. Justin Harding, another South African, playing very, very well. Uh, Romain Langas, who enjoyed a superb 2019, reaching the DP World Tour Championship, but perhaps a little tired when he got there. So that's another player who's in the European tour playing very very well. Another two players to watch out Thomas D also playing really well in superb form and Sander Lumber who just came from finishing in the top 10 uh on the uh on the last tournament Fred.
1: Yeah, uh Carlos it's uh, interesting that uh, this event is tri sanctioned by the European, Asian and Sunshine Tours. I guess it's what you have to do to draw a field in early December. Uh, where have all the big names gone? Well, they're on vacation. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're not playing golf right at the minute. Um, so a lot of good things have happened over the years here. Um, one name that caught my eye this week, 50-year-old Paul Laurie, kind of double-dipping here. He's uh, making his time in Mauritius worthwhile. He's playing in the European Tour event this week. And then he's sticking around to play in the senior tour event next week. Um, you know, just like the old folks, they head for warmer weather when it gets too cold, the uh, weather at. Hey, um, we, um, I was looking at photographs of the golf course there, and the area looks absolutely amazing. It looks really beautiful there. Where is Mauritius? Well, you talked about it briefly. It's a French, it, you know, it's a French island. It's been under different uh, regimes over the years, but it's an independent uh uh country now. it's uh, it technically is on the uh, it's, it's east, southeast of the coast of the African continent. Uh, it's east of Madagascar, which is a great big island just east of uh, of of Africa. When you look at the island on the map, it's a very small dot in a very big body of water, the Indian Ocean. Um, plus these waters around that part of Africa, uh, some of the most dangerous in the world. you got a lot of pirates out there. Um, not, not good to be out there on a boat. I guess they fly in and fly out, so that's a good thing. Um, but i got to tell you, Mauritius is ranked the most competitive and most developed economy in the African region. And uh, they have a lot of manufacturing, financial services, tourism, uh, information and communications technology. So there you are, call us. You're, you're a communications information guy, technology you want to go to Mauritius? They they they're looking for people there, um. So uh, it's it's a pretty nice place to be. I didn't know more about it, much about it, so I kind of looked it up today, Carlos. So now I've enlightened everyone. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, let's move on now to the champion store because they're going to play the PNC Father and Son Challenge. All things all things considered, you know this field is remarkably strong. For one thing, the qualifications to get in are steep. Only major champions and winners of the Players Championship are eligible. And 18 major, uh, 18 time major winner Jack Nicholas headlines that category. The father son is really a feel good weekend in the middle of the so-called silly season of golf. This year it overlaps the final round of the, <clears throat> of the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. So in addition to Nicholas, this field includes Icons, Gary Player, Lee Trevino, and Tom Watson. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but despite the November 27 death of his wife, Hillary, who battled uh, pancreatic cancer, Watson remains in the field for now, along with his son, Michael. 12 out of the 20 teams include a World Golf Hall of Famer. Individually, the final field shares more than 700 worldwide titles, as well as 192 champion tour wins, with the all-time champion tour uh, wins leader, Hale Irwin, returning to this event after a two-year hiatus. There are also seven former world number one players, and that category includes Annika Sorenstam, who is playing with her father, Tom, and will become the first female professional to compete in the tournament. Fred, this event will be played December 5th to the 8th at the Ritz Carlton Golf Club in Orlando, Florida, and uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to seeing John Daly playing with Little John.
1: I do like to watch Little John play. I I, I have I, I do like that, to be quite honest with you. you. know, As you know, I'm not that big of a John Daly fan, but I do like his, – his son is really pretty good. I, I think, uh, you know, if – John could teach him to get his head on straight, the, the son. Maybe he could uh, be the player that uh, John should have been, maybe. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned Annika in here. She's playing with her dad, Tom, uh, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch them play a little bit. Um, you've also got uh, Jerry Pate is playing with his daughter, Jenny. So it's called the uh, father-son, but uh, the uh, the ladies are, are welcome as well. And uh, so I think it's fantastic that Anika's in the field. And uh, also good luck to Jerry and his daughter. Um, there's some really good players. Some of these kids of uh, these guys are, are pretty good. Um, I think uh, Jack's uh, grandson, GP, is supposed to be the best golfer of the bunch of the grandkids uh, so far. Um, none of the grandkids seem to want to play that much, but this, but the, this one seems to be pretty good. I haven't seen him play, but uh, from what I hear, he's pretty decent. So, um, Carlos, one of the things... Um, in this uh, in this tournament, uh, they raise a bunch of money for charity, and in the past, due to its close ties with Arnold Palmer, much of the proceeds have gone to the Palmer Medical Center and the Winnie Palmer Hospital for Women and Children. Uh, this year, the funds are going to go to through the Arnold and Winnie Palmer Foundation, and then with a the collaboration for Orlando's Community Improvement, there's a renovation of a park, Lake Lorna uh, Lake Lorna Dune Park. It's a historic park uh, that actually uh, had the first integrated little league baseball team. Uh, they're under, undergoing a uh, like an eight million dollar upgrade to uh, enhance uh, the uh, the whole area there. It's just off of downtown Orlando, kind of to the west of downtown a little bit. And so a lot of the money is going to go for that. Uh, Arnold's daughter Amy said, uh, "We are grateful for this opportunity to work closely with the PNC Foundation leaders." as well as the Central Florida team members and partners who make the PNC Father's Son Challenge a memorable, impactful event. It's fitting that an event focused on family will strengthen local families by fostering a love of nature and young children through this park. So uh, good deal, Carlos. It's going to be fun to watch. It always is. Uh, always kind of enjoy watching uh, a day or two of it. And um, money's going to, uh, to a good cause. If you want to watch
0: it, Friday is going to be the pro special on Golf Channel. It's going to be from 5 to 6 p.m. But then Saturday, Golf Channel 2 to 3 p.m., NBC 3 to 6. And then Sunday, Golf Channel will have it live from 11 a.m. to noon. And then at noon, pass it on to an NBC where it will finish from noon to 3 p.m. Fred, there's also action on the Champions Tour, but on the final Q's, uh, stage of the Q School. So, Tell us a little bit about what's going on there.
1: Yeah, uh, the uh, 50 qualifiers for final stage of the Champions Tour Q School will uh, gather at TPC Scottsdale uh, this week. Total purse is 200000 so that's not a big deal. But trying to make a spot or trying to earn a spot on the 2020 PGA Tour champion is the the, the problem here this week. Uh, as I say, you got 50 guys, and they're trying for five spots. Only five guys get in. Uh, some familiar names uh, this year, Guy Boros, uh, Michael Campbell, Brandel Chambly is teeing it up this week. Be curious to see how he does. T.C. Chen, I don't know if you remember T.C. Chen, uh, double hit up here at Oakland Hills, Detroit in a U.S. Open. Remember T.C. with a little straw hat? Um, Keith Clearwater, Robert Gomez, Mike Goodies, uh, who's been on and off the uh, Champions Tour for a long time. Uh, Mike didn't play uh, much on the regular tour. He was an amateur, played pro golf in the Carolinas, and then when he was 50, he, a couple years before he started working and made it to the tour, he's been on and off. Gary Hallberg, Todd Hamilton, former British Open winner, Robert Carlson, Thomas Levey, the Frenchman, Frank Licklider, uh, been hanging around golf for a long time, Sean McKeel, former PGA champion, took down Tiger Woods, uh, Paul Stankowski, Omar Ureski, Grant Waite, and Darmo Sandlin, who won one of the... Uh, one of the qualifiers uh, a couple weeks ago. So they're all at TPC Scottsdale, Carlos. So this week, uh, 50 players trying to win one of the five spots to play on the 2020 uh, PGA Champions Tour. And, Carlos, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there is a bunch of snow covering the 10 great golf courses at Boyne right now up in Michigan. But that isn't stopping the Northern Michigan Resort from offering some very hot deals on summer stay-and-play packages, and it's a great place to stay and play, let me tell you. So visit boeingcom forward slash golf to check them out. Get your next golf vacation booked to Glorious Boyne Resort at discounted prices. Right now they got three resorts, the Highlands, the Mountain, and the Bay Harbor with the 10 golf courses. They've got spas each one. they got great restaurants, a lot of stuff to do, hiking, biking, fishing, everything you can do in northern Michigan. It's fantastic. com forward slash golf. B-O-Y-N-E dot com forward slash golf. Carlos, back to you.
0: All right. With that, we wrap up our four call, and now let's move on to the part five news. For every week, we pick five. Oh,
1: that's
0: my favorite worthy. story, Carlos. My favorite story. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, it can not be. It can be. But let's talk about it. The first one. <laughs> Sergio, my guy Garcia, will get a chance to redeem himself
2: for a temporary tantrum.
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was not temporary It was Sorry, Sergio. I, I, my bad. It was just bad behavior. No, no.
1: no. It was a little on... Something
0: happened <laughs> yeah. to him last year. So next year, he will have a chance to redeem himself when he returns to the South International. Uh, Last uh, his last appearance in the European Tour event in Saudi Arabia ended in disqualification after he um, willfully damaged greens and slashed Attack around in the bunker, bunker and all that. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. During the tournament, but, uh, you know, uh, it show that bunker. You know that bunker was in the was in the way. Of the ball. <laughs> That's what happened. If it wouldn't have been there his ball would have been in the in the fairway. That's what it right. is. I mean, I, right. I get it, Sergio. I understand. I understand. But anyway, <laughs> when he played the, in February, he received an appearance fee reportedly in the neighborhood of six hundred fifty thousand dollars I, I mean, the Telegraph reported that he was not asked to return any of it despite the disqualification, which came at the end of the third round. When other players complained about the damage he had caused to the putting surfaces. But here's the catch, though his next appearance does not come with any fee. And according to the Telegraph, it says that it was uh, it is understood this was one of the conditions placed on him as the, by the European Tour as it spared him a suspension. Mm, you know that's interesting. <laughs> but you know what? The, the 2020 Solid International. Uh, I mean, let's talk about this waste management, Phoenix open, you know, that it's among the most iconic events on the PGA tour schedule, but when it comes to star power, the event won't even be the top built desert based golf tournament that week because the Saudi international also got another big star, the latest one to commit. And it wasn't only Sergio, Phil Mickelson. He's going to be playing there. As a result, he will skip out on the waste management for the first time since his college days at Arizona State 30 years ago. I mean, players have taken an onslaught of criticism for taking seven-figure appearance fees from a Saudi government with uh, dubious human rights records, right? But while golfers have a long history of following the money wherever it leads, last year tournament You know, it was criticized because it was just months after the murder of uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist who had spoken out against Prince Mohammed. But still, the criticism hasn't felt much like a dissuasion because last month, defending champion Dustin Johnson, world number one Brooks Koepka, confirmed they will return to the event for a second uh, consecutive year. Patrick Reed will be there. I mean, he had a blast last year. If you remember, he was even going to give classes to the kids. As there will be Shane Lowry, like I mentioned, Garcia, I remember his appearance fee will not be there. Um, so Mickelson and also U.S. President's copper Tony Fee now also commit yesterday in statements uh, in the Saudi Gazette. But so far, the comments echoed many similar, the supposed grow the game sentiments expressed by other players. But Fred, I, I wouldn't expect that much from the smoking Mickelson, but he is, and he, I was shocked to see that he's going there and not to the waste management
1: open. I was a little bit surprised myself, Carlos. Uh, it just shows you what these guys will do. I mean, everybody's got a price, and so they evidently kept upping it until uh, they got to his threshold, and they said, eh, you know, I can afford the, uh, the uh, jet fuel to go over there for that. Uh, poor Sergio, though. Oh, my goodness. They expect him to pay his own way there. Um, you know what airfare costs to Saudi Arabia these days? Oh my goodness. Um, but I guess, you know, uh if you gotta, you know, give up a couple hundred grand of appearance money or, you know, take a month off or something because you're suspended, I suppose that's that's probably the lesser of two evils. So uh, he'll have to win just to break even probably that week, I imagine. Um, but yeah, getting back to Phil, um, you know, Carlos, we we touched on this and I and I talked about it a little bit uh, earlier. How much is too much? How much is too much? Um, I know, I, I remember when I was young, and people talked about, you know, when Mickey Mantle was making a 100 grand a year, and, and uh, even before that, I mean, I don't remember this, but I, I remember reading about it and talking about it, you know, Babe Ruth uh, making more money than a president, and that was a big deal back then, so, uh, you know, athletes, big-time athletes get paid a lot of money, Um, And that's, you know, without question, that's what happened. But, you know, these guys, here we got, you know, guys aren't going to play in the race to Dubai, the final series, and, and they're paying $8 million purses. They're not going to play in that, and they're going over for these appearance fees to Saudi Arabia, and they're skipping U.S. tournaments. To do it, um, this is this is kind of scary. You know, we've seen we saw Tiger do that. Uh, he would always go to the Middle East and play in one or two events for a big uh, purse and skip, you know, a California tournament or two. Um, so, uh, you know, that's it, it's a bad precedent, a very bad precedent for somebody like Phil Mickelson to do that. And also, you got number one, Kepka. You got Dustin Johnson going over there. Um, I don't know. I just um uh, it doesn't look right and I'll bet Jay Monahan just grits his teeth uh, when he sees all this. So um yeah, I don't I don't think it's a good deal, Carlos. I I don't and I don't think we've heard the last of it. I, I think we'll hear more and more about this as we get closer to that time.
2: But
0: well, why is it wrong? Is it because it's a Saudi International or is it because it's just a tournament across the pond? What is wrong with
1: it? Uh, it's a combination. It's a combination to me. Uh, number one, and, and and we talked about this before. The, you know, this is a PR effort by the Saudi Arabian government to say, "Hey, we're not that bad. We play golf here. You know, we're good people. Come on in. See, look at. They don't let people in there. You can't even go there. I mean, you can't you can't get a visa to get in there. Stupid country. They don't want you around. And uh, you know, their whole deal." And, uh, and then, we, then we want to go over there. They, they're going to pay these guys. Up. They're just using them. I mean, they are just using them. I, I understand the guys say, well, they will use me. All, you know, you can pay me a million bucks. Use me all you want. Um, but the other side of that, Carlos, is their bread and butter is here on the PGA Tour. Some of these guys should be going to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, that tournament deserves it. They're, they're played they play the weekend of the Super Bowl every year. They draw big crowds. They, they get a lot of interest. Um, even with a crappy field, they get a lot of people there. Um, these guys have a responsibility to the PGA Tour. Yeah, they only have to play 15 events, and then they go play wherever they want. But they should be playing. Guys like Koepka, guy like guys like Dustin Johnson, they should be playing in this, in this Waste Management Phoenix Open once in a while. Uh, let those people see them there. I I, it's it's a combination of it's in Saudi Arabia and the other part of it is they shun a really good um, American a PGA Tour event to go over there and get big appearances. It it's uh, I, Carlos. It's when is too much, too much. Are you going to kill the gold goose? You know, are you are people going to say we don't want to pay you that much anymore? I, I I don't know. It just the the optics is not that good for me.
0: You know, but that, that sounds like a little dicey. You know why? Because we have been talking, we talked about last week about the European Tour. And what would they need to do to continue to attract big names? They're doing this. The problem, really, I see is that it's, it's just because it's a Saudi international. If it would have been any other tournament, I don't think there would be so much backlash. You know, it's just because it's a Saudi international. There's all this uh, controversy going around it. But the European Tour is just doing what they have to do to try to survive, is to have to attract those big names somehow. So people are getting just frustrated because, oh, they're not going to waste management. Uh, like you're saying, they owe it to be there. But what if it would be the Memorial or the API, right? Like the Arnold Palmer, uh, tor- big tournaments that are traditional where big star names usually go, but then the European Tour would put something on the other end. To compete and will attract them. Is it wrong because they're trying to get their product to grow? Is it wrong because of that? No. I mean, they're just trying to survive. That's the way they're doing it, and uh, it's done everywhere. I mean, so I don't see it that bad. I, I know that the, the issue is with the Saudi International, but if it would have been any other tournament, I don't. It's just the European Tour trying to survive and uh, try to get their product out there and bring those big names that, you know, that we have been talking about, Hey, they don't go there, but now they do this. And then they're get, they get criticized.
1: So that's just my, my little take we, on, we, on, on that. We get a couple yeah, of weeks ahead. during the year when we have a big tournament here in the United States. And I can remember a couple of years ago when the Memorial was opposite. Uh, I want to say it was the BMW uh, PGA at, um, in London um you know I, i'm pretty sure that was about maybe 3 4 years ago maybe um and uh because i talked to one of the european players and i said why aren't you playing over uh over in the uh in the european tour this week and he david lingworth actually and uh, he said you know he says i i really wanted to go but he said the the timing didn't work he said i need to be back here in the states he said and i and besides i need to play to to keep my card over here so it didn't work to go over there and play but all, pretty much all the big Europeans were over there playing that week, and I understood that because that was a big event on their tour. The Saudi event, it, the, the purse there is secondary. It doesn't mean it because these guys are all going for the appearance money. If they have to win, that's fine, that's nice. But that's not why they're going. Um, and that and this is just—it's an exhibit. This thing is an exhibition, Carlos. It is not a golf tournament to me. I'm sorry.
0: Well, they're playing there to win anyway. DJ and everybody that played last year said that. Yeah, they go for an appearance fee, but... Hey, yeah, they, they go got to say like, that. They got to play. Uh, yeah, anyway. I'm not buying it. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But anyway, let's talk now about a sad story. And uh, really sad because uh, Hillary Watson, the wife of 8 time major champion, Tom Watson... Has died after battling pancreatic cancer. She was 63. Tom Watson's agent, Barry Hyde, confirmed Hillary Watson died Wednesday night. She had been dropping, he, she had been shopping for socks with her husband, when the couple was told the news of her diagnosis in uh, 2017, according to a report in the Kansas City Star. She received chemotherapy and radiation treatment and underwent surgery at the Mayo Clinic to remove the tumor. And despite her illness, Hillary was determined to pursue her love of cutting horse, a Western type of equestrian that has roots in ranching. After her surgery, she would go on to compete in the sport, finishing fourth in the National Cutting Horse Association Amateur Rider of the event. And, uh, you know, Tom expressed his admiration for his wife as she fought the disease. Uh, she, called him, she called her uh, his hero. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, she couldn't uh, keep going. She survived by her husband, Tom, her children, Kyle, Charles, Kelly Page, and Ross Donald, and her stepchildren, Meg Carr and Michael Watson, and two sisters, Alicia Corte, Christine Halton, and her brother, Tommy, who preceded her in death, Fred. So uh, I don't know if you read, but uh, Ted Bishop uh, shared a very touching uh, tribute to his friends on Facebook. And uh, it was really, really nice to see what he wrote there.
1: Yeah, that's true. And uh, Hillary was—they uh, were very close, uh, Tom and Hillary, uh, without question. Uh, Tom, you know, had his own trials uh, earlier. Um, you know, he drank a little bit too much, and uh, and so they had to—they uh, had to work through that. Um, but uh, also, you know, and I, I don't think many people remember this probably, but Hillary was married to professional golfer Dennis Watson from uh, you know from Australia and Dennis uh, hurt himself he hit a, a, a stump uh, really messed up his shoulders and his neck and uh, kind of ruined his career actually um, went into kind of a dark time they ended up getting divorced um, and uh, Tom had gotten divorced from his first wife and so Hillary and Tom ended up together and seems like they've had a pretty good life uh, since they were married in 1995 and uh yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um and that's um, it's a sign of the times. Cancer is a is a terrible thing and uh we wish uh we wish all the best for Tom and his family and uh, you know, it's uh, you don't wish that on anybody and hope everything goes well for him, Carlos.
0: Definitely. Now let's move on to another piece of news where uh since the inception of the PGA Tours International Tours in 2012, when PGA Tour uh, Latin America began, the top five finishers under respective seasons' orders of merits earned Corn Fairy Tour status for the subsequent year. The three international tours announced last week that there will be enhanced Corn Fairy Tour playing opportunities for those players whose season-long performances earned them top five status on PGA Tour Latin America, the Mackenzie Tour, and the PGA Tour Canada, and the PGA Tour Series China. And this change is effective immediately. Uh, so, Fred, beginning 2020, to help facilitate this change, these modifications will improve the prospects of players getting into the conference tournament fields, and that was approved by the board Last June, to adjust playing spots in certain eligibility categories. So, I mean, what's your take on this? But it looks like the PGA Tour is trying to lure more of those international players into hey, there is an incentive for you to get here to the Corn Ferry Tour with a better status, which will allow you to stay there more on the Corn Ferry Tour, and by consequence, Try to be shorter, a shorter way, or at least closer to their dream of making it to the PGA Tour. Does this, I mean, what's your think? What's your thought? And uh, does it really, you think, is going to make a difference for those international players to try to make it to the Car Ferry Tour, since now they see more of an opportunity to make it to the PGA Tour?
1: Any advantage uh, at their level, I mean, they're they're scratching and clawing for every little thing, for every putt, for every, you know, every stroke. So anything that they can get at that level, when you're in the way down the minor leagues of golf, like the Latino American Tour, the McKinsey Tour, the uh, Chinese Tour, uh, anything you can get is a bonus. But also what the PGA Tour is finding that the international players – are succeeding more than uh, American or possibly European players uh, when they are given the chance. And so um, international tour alumni uh, comprise the majority of the top 25 players on the final points list, 14, and of the top 75 players, 39 on the Corn Tour from last year. Uh, 23 had significant international tour experience. Um, the international tours, uh, they're doing very, very well. They're they're developing these players. They're they're learning how to win, how to be a professional, how to play in professional tour events. And so, to bring these guys up through the channels, uh, the way they're supposed to do, I I think it's probably a good thing. And, Carlos, I think what they're really trying to do here is um, really kind of jumpstart or give a little edge or help the uh, international players so that the uh, President's Cup can be more competitive somewhere down the road. If if this thing is another blowout for the American team down in Royal Melbourne, um, this thing is going to get stupid. I mean, are they gonna? Are, are, are you gonna have it? Um, so I think what all this is leaning towards is trying to get more international players moving up quicker, uh, because they are seeing that they that they stick and they they move up better and they've become a, a real um, I don't know what I want to say they've been, become very important to the Corn Ferry Tour because of their number. Um, you know, on the, on the LPGA, like the Asian players are dominant. They, they, you know, they're at the top they're of the top 10. We've got what three Korean players all the time. When you, when you, any golf tournament, any LPGA event, there's usually three or four South Korean women in the top 10 every week. And usually one, two, three. So, um, you know, why aren't we seeing this on in the men's tour? Well, maybe they don't have the opportunities or it's too hard to get here. So I think what they're saying is, what well, we've seen these guys, when they do come along, they do very well. We want to reward them, and we'll let them play on the Corn Fairy Tour, and if they can make it there, then they can move on up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I see it that way too, but um, it's a way for some of those players to see also, a, there's a chance. The way that I see it, knowing from those international tours, especially the PGA Tour in Latin America, which I know some of the players, is that you know the conditions where they are playing right now in that tour, they're all trying to get to the big one, which is the PGA Tour. And for like a player like uh, my countryman, Rafael Campos, who started to do very well last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, but was after a lot of years uh, on the PGA Tour Latin America is very difficult because f- the purses are not as good as, of course, there are minor, minor tours if you come to think about it. And uh, it's tough to be traveling around like they're supposed to do all over Latin America and try to see how they they can make it to the Corn ferry Tour to see if they can make it to the PGA Tour. So by enhancing this is uh, a... Opportunities for them for a better status means I'm going to have better opportunities to play in the Corn Ferry Tour. And if I play good enough, hey, I might get to make it to the big one, which is the PGA Tour. And I see, yeah, as a byproduct of that, yeah, we're going to have maybe some more exposure for the President's top players that want to aspire to, to play in there. And right now we've seen players like Joaquin Neiman and Abraham Anser who have come from from uh, those countries down there that are limited resources that have seen how they can make it to the BGA tour. And now they are in the president's cup. So, yeah, I can certainly see that, but it, I, I also see it as a way as intense, incentivize those players to get better and better. And then, you know, it, it it's a way to grow golf in my, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. And, absolutely. Okay, let's move on now and talk about the LPGA and uh, the season finale was down on the TV rating thirty three percent, so it was not good news. And like you you presented it to 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 me on when you did the, we do the the outline for the show. the The important thing is that yes, we are talking a lot about. women golfers uh, trying to have equal pay. But the the real thing behind driving those equal pays and those higher purses is how the TV attraction will come. So if the sponsors see this, of things where the biggest tournament of the year for them, the CME Tour Group Championship, just drew a .3 and an average of 395,000 viewers on NBC, down 33 percent from last year's final round. On ABC, that is not good. I mean, if I am a sponsor, I say, but who's going to see me?" Of course, also the RSM Classic was not great either. But we can say they were competing against football. <laughs> football is the the was the one there that was on top at that uh, at the and the ratings that we saw that were shown here in this. Uh, piece of news that we that we're talking about, Fred. But definitely, that's why I say this is the silly season of golf. They're they're competing against the major sports on football and college football during the weekend. So I don't see any way of this getting any better. So even if it was down thirty three percent, I don't think it's going to be any much better than what it is, Fred. Definitely.
1: You know, if you're Michael Wan. Juan- Okay, if you're Golf Channel and you've sold this time to sponsors, right, and then they come back the next week and say, guys, we're down 33% here. What are you going to do to make this up? Um, How are you going to sell that? Next year, when they're trying to sell that time, uh, how are they going to sell that? Michael's pretty good. I mean, he's a good salesman, and uh, he knows what he's doing, and Golf Channel has some pretty good salesmen too, but they're not going to be able to sell this time. So they're giving away a million and a half bucks to the winner of this thing. They're giving away what? uh, It's like a $4 million purse or something, right? Um, they got to come up with that money somewhere. Um, So, and I look at these numbers, Carlos, figure skating, the ISU Grand Prix, which was taped, for goodness sake, it had double the audience. The CME Group Championship, the final round grew like a 395,000 uh, eyeballs. Uh, the grand, the uh, figure skating was 850,000. So, and then you got football. Just the the countdown show was was 1.2 million. So it was uh, three times or four times what the golf was. So uh, you know you don't expect it to. Compete with golf, but you at least think they ought to have 500,000 or 550,000 watch that thing. Um, so yeah, these are not very good numbers. Um, and I don't know. I'm. I, I mean, even Nicktoons. This is really funny. Uh, in the uh, six to 12 year old uh, audience, uh, Nicktoons uh, was better than what the RSM Classic was. Uh, so. Uh, it it's just, it, these are ridiculous numbers at the end of the season. I mean, I understand. I, I guess you can say, okay, this is why the FedEx company wanted the FedEx Cup to end in August uh, before Labor Day because they didn't want to compete with football because when you're competing with football and figure skating, evidently, and even, for God's sake, uh, Chelsea-Manchester City soccer, football, as Kieran would say, uh, withdrew a million uh, fans. Um, you know, it's just uh, these are these are just not very good numbers, Carlos. I don't. This does not bode well for the LPGA tour. Um, those kind of numbers. You're
0: still you're still talking about sports that have bigger audiences than golf. That's what does people. A lot of people don't get football, like
1: you're calling it.
0: Is the biggest sport in the world. Okay. Yeah. That is n- yeah. not even, not even, a, not even not,
1: not in the United no, States,
0: though. No, no, but here it's getting a lot of traction right now. I mean, the, the, the leagues, their Euro leagues and all the different Latin leagues are getting a lot of traction now. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, European and, uh, Latin people in the U.S. more than it was before. So you have to understand that, uh, a lot of those leagues are now being, watch more and more right now so yeah figure skating uh, that one was surprising to me but the football the soccer oh no definitely it's growing a lot here in the states it might not have been before but now it's not it's not even i mean i'm not surprised that it's right there where it is
1: i'm not surprised
0: really it's, I, I, a, it's a sport it
1: really seemed like those numbers are really low it, it, that really that really surprises me it it, uh, it really does Carlos well,
0: I don't know but I, I don't think I don't think it'll grow especially in this in this season I, I, I just don't see it but anyway yeah I can understand uh, the problem that Michael Wan would have trying to convince the sponsors hey yeah, Uh, don't worry, we'll get it better next year, we'll see what we do, but he has a challenge because of the time where it's played, and that's how you said, you know, the PGA Tour had to move their season ending so that they wouldn't compete directly with football. But hey, let's uh, wrap it up talking about uh, a piece of news from Jeff Shackleford, who said that at the decades, decade's end, PGA Tour winners get noticeably younger. And he presents a graphic by Robo, Robops uh, to use the end-of-the-decade uh, opening to look at the average PGA Tour winner age from 2009 to 2010 to 2019 and compare it to the one 2000 to 2009. And uh, this decade... Uh, the PGA Tour wins by age. It says not 199 wins from age 19 to 29, compared to what it was the 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 decade before. Which uh, oh, I kind of lost it here. It's it
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had both here in front of me, but anyway, uh, the way that it's uh, putting it right now, yeah, there's uh, about a 30 difference. Uh, it was like a 50 victory uh, margin between the 30
1: from, from 39. Carlos years. from yeah from the yeah. young guys, age 19 to 29, uh, from 2000 to 2009, they had 121 wins. But then from 2010 to 2019, the last 10 years, that's up by 70. It's up to 199. So in 10 years, you know, over the last 20 years, the first 10 of that. Young guys only won 121 times, but now this last 10 years, they won 109. So that's what, 70 over 120, that's a well over 50% increase, about a 60% increase.
0: Yeah, but what he says is, now the question is whether it's really um, a trend, what
1: you're saying, or is it an
0: anomaly? So I'm going to let you go first, and then I'm going to give you my take on it.
1: Okay. Well, my take is that, So, to continue this, uh, so guys in their 30s, okay, in the 10 years previous from 2000 to 2009, guys in their 30s won 256 times. So, now this last 10 years from 2010, they only won 220, so that's down 36. But then you go to guys in their 40s and 50s, um, in that previous 10-year period, they won 97 times. And this last 10 years from 2010, they only won 50. So that's down 50%. So the biggest chunk of the young guys winning came out of the old guys not winning. And Carlos, that's what we're seeing, and that's what we've been talking about. Golf has become a young man sport, especially in the last couple of years, and, and especially last year when we have so much stuff crammed into an eight month season. Uh, older guys get hurt. Also, they're swinging harder. They're playing more difficult golf courses. Uh, they're, they're playing all over the world. Guys get hurt when they get older. When they're younger, they can sustain those injuries. They're minor. They don't bother as much. They can continue, continue winning. As you get older, the nagging stuff bothers you. You can't win as much. But the other part of this, Carlos, that I really want to touch on before I turn it back to you is that, um, these kids have better training today when they're young, uh, as junior golfers. They got AJGA. They have better organized junior golf. Um, from even when my kids were playing junior golf to today, it's so much better. It's it's just unreal. You got better teaching and training information on the TV and on the internet. The the information is everywhere. If you want to find out something, it's out there. Plus, you got way better college competition and better overall amateur events to hone your game and be tournament ready. Um, You go to some of these college events and watch these kids play, whether it's the the women's golf or men's golf, these college kids, some of them are really, really good. And then just this year, Carlos, we saw Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, Joaquin Neiman, Colin Morikawa perform at very high levels, young guys right out of college, Well, Neiman, uh, you know, but he's very young. He didn't go to college. But um, come out and play really at a high level. And so these guys are coming out at a young age, but they're ready to compete because they have such great training when they're young and the competition is good in the junior events.
0: You know, my take is that it's not that. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but the trend is not going towards younger. And the reason why, and I am going to explain right now, is that those wins that you say there, most of them happened 2016, 2017, when there was this anomaly of the younger players winning more than the 30-somethings. Most of those wins came there. But after that, the average average age of the winners on the PGA Tour has been 33.4 and 34.1 was this past year. So it came back to the 30-somethings being the the average age of the winners on the on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, there I I give you props for what you're saying. Yes, there's a lot more for the for the pro player, for the younger players, and it's not only in golf. We see this on other pro sports like basketball and baseball that they're trending to come out younger every time and starting to play. So yes, there's a more, there's a lot more younger players, so there's going to be a lot more opportunities for them. There's a bigger universe of younger players in the 20s trying to win. And of course, there was a trend at the middle of the of this decade where it was like apparently there, that was happening when we saw Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Rory at that time, uh, Jason Day starting to be winners consistently. Uh, Dustin was in his uh, late 20s by then so you know it's a lot of yeah I, I would say yes that that's true but it's not necessarily a trend because on the contrary it was 33.5 and 40 and 34.1 the last two uh, years the average age of the winners in golf so yeah, I can understand the way that it's going right now, but I, I wouldn't say that it's a trend for what I see here on those numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I don't really worry about I the trends and the, uh, all that kind of stuff. I don't, you know, don't want to get in it. But I, I, I do think, I do think uh, I'll go back uh, that the, the kids are so much better prepared today. Coming up, um, all the coaches that are out there and, and all the opportunities for them to play. Um, just they're ready to go at a younger age, and I, and I really feel the way. And I, I Carlos, I, I think we're, this is going to bear out the next five or six years. This compressed schedule, um, these older guys just are not going to be able to compete because they cannot. Their bodies will not put up with the demands of the travel, playing all these golf courses in that short period of time in those high profile events. So, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I really think. If you want to talk about a trend, I think we will see a trend continue with younger guys, which we call, I call younger guys under 30, uh, maybe, um, you know, really 20 to 25 to 27, somewhere in there. I really think we'll see younger guys continue to win more and more often. Uh, plus another part of that is that we haven't even talked about is the uh, fall series where the old guys, the guys that are established don't play. Uh, and the younger guys have a better chance to win in those 11 tournaments in the fall. So that gives them a better opportunity, you know, more chances to win. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll see that more and more, Carlos. See how it
0: happens. We'll see how it is. But anyway, with that, we wrap up our Power 5 News. And now we move on to our VIG, very important guest of the week. And the reason why we're bringing – This VIG, it's not the first time he's going to be, he's he's here with us. Uh, It's not going to be last. He's our friend and colleague, European golf guru, Kieran Clark. But we had to have him tape a session for us because the old course, okay, St. Andrews, in November gets 48 hours, two days where it's played in reverse. And... The reason for that, if you didn't know, it wasn't until the late 1800s that the old chorus in St. Andrews was played in a clockwise direction, but it wasn't until Tom Morris separated the first and 17 greens in around 1870 that it began to be played in an anti-clockwise direction on alternate weeks. So, our friend and colleague, Kieran Clark, had a very nice, he's the editor of Goldshake.com, uh, and he had a nice article uh, there last Friday, where he talked about the old course at St Andrews in reverse, and he recorded a segment where he—I'm uh, not just going to say what it is, but I'm going to let you hear it. Fred, if you want to say something about it before he talks, or uh, we can then uh, discuss it afterwards. So let me know, and we we can go,
1: for it. Yeah, uh, he just talks about the history, as we know, Kieran knows everything about the history of golf, especially in Europe. He lives there in St. Andrews now. He actually went down and watched some of the players playing it uh, the ver- reverse way. He didn't get a chance to play it himself, uh, but he did watch some of the play, walk the course, uh, checked it out. And as he mentions, you know, and, and I've heard this before, that uh, players are going, when they play it the, the regular way, they go, I wonder why that bunker's there. It doesn't serve any purpose. But well, when you play the reverse way, those bunkers come into play. And, Carlos, we have a little bit of that here in Michigan with uh, forest dunes, with the loop, which is a reversible course, and you play it one way, and you wonder why. You know, over here it looks like a little mound. where well, you walk the other side of it, it's a bunker. So when you play, come back the other way the next day, that bunker is in play. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting fact that they did this. It's where Tom Doak got the inspiration when he was over in Scotland spending a year when he was in college, uh, learning about golf design. To he wanted to build a reversible course like the loop. So when I saw Carl or I saw Kirian doing this story and talking about it, it was uh, very interesting to me. And he was uh, good enough to tape this for us. So let's go ahead and play it.
2: Let's play it. Hello, Carlos, Fred. I appreciate you having me on to talk about an intriguing subject that should prove interesting to the listeners. Golfers worldwide know about the old course at St Andrews. They know it's been there for 500 years that has hosted 29 Open Championships, soon to be 30 indeed in 2021. They know it's where names like Tiger Woods, Bobby Jones, Seve Ballesteros, Sam Sneed, Peter Thompson and Nick Faldo have all lifted the Claret Jug. They know it's where Jack Nicklaus, retired from professional golf in 2005. They know about the Road Hall and Hell Bunker, but did they know that the old course was, for centuries, played in the opposite direction to what it is now? What am I talking about? Well, unlike most golf courses that are specifically designed, the old at St Andrews more or less evolved with time. Until 1764, a full decade indeed, before the American Revolutionary War, not even Fred can remember that one, the old had 22 holes a layout that saw golfers play the same holes out and then back in before four holes were combined to create the standard 18 that became regulation in the game. Golfers would often be seen playing the same hole but going in different directions. Indeed even today four holes on the front nine and four on the back nine actually share the same name as they are effectively played twice in the round but from opposite directions. For many years, the route to playing at St Andrews was in a clockwise loop starting from the town, following a left-to-right path around a narrow stretch of Link's land that contains the course. However, sometime around 1870, old Tom Morris, the keeper of the greens at St Andrews, he separated the 1st and the 17th greens, creating the layout that we know today, with the old course having seven double greens, and indeed huge wide fairways. This made an alternative routing possible for the course, a counterclockwise layout, and that quickly grew in stature and has since become the old course that we know today. Much of the clockwise layout was deemed impractical for mass play with several holes requiring shots played across another fairway, it's quite dangerous. However, this so-called reverse course did remain available for many years, alternating with the clock, uh, of the um, with the anti-clockwise routing each fortnight, but an annual tradition of the stored-clockwise play in the spring ended a decade ago, apparently consigning the original route of the course to history. But why am I telling you all this? Well, this past weekend, the reverse old course made its comeback. It was available for play on the 29th of November, with a competition for local golf clubs also being played on the 30th. St Andrew's Day, the national day of Scotland, which naturally holds particular resonance within the town. This special event was part of the celebrations. And for those who don't know, if Ireland has St Patrick's Day, St Andrew's Day is the Scottish equivalent. play playing the reverse course, for St. Andrew's golfer's tee off the normal first tee, but towards the 17th green, crossing the iconic Swilkin Bridge on the opening hole, not the final hole. This clockwise reverse layout then follows a route of 18th tee to 16th green, 17th to 15th, 16th to 14th, and so on, until finishing with a tee shot from the second tee to the 18th green. It may sound a little bit confusing, but visually it becomes clear. Suddenly, certain bunkers in the course are more prominently in play, especially those that are hidden from view in playing the Old in its regular form. Playing the reverse Old emphasizes the intriguing nature of this narrow stretch of land, so beguiling and strategic, an appreciation only enhanced by seeing the course logically played in the opposite direction underlining why the old course has long and continues to captivate so many students of the game. I always encourage golfers playing the regular old to look back at each hole after they've played it providing an extra insight visually to what they have just experienced. And speaking in 2015 Tiger Woods who of course is twice the winner at the home of golf he said I've always wanted to play it backwards One time before I die, I think that would be just a blast because I can see how certain bunkers, why would they put that there? And then if you play it backwards, you see it, it's very apparent, that's totally in play. That one day would be a lot of fun to be able to do. Well, for a deeply fortunate 80 or so golfers on Friday who made it through the ballot, and the demand far outweighed the availability. They had that chance. In beautiful late November sunshine, the most perfect day to experience the old course as it was known 200 years ago. Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to play, but I did take the time to head down to watch, walk the course, take some pictures and turn this into a story. It was fun to watch golfers play across the Burn to the 17th green from from the first fairway, which is a very difficult first approach shot of your round or playing the road hole in reverse with the approach shot going over those iconic railway shed uh, towards the 16th green. Very narrow shot. The 13th tee to the 11th green is a stunning looking hole. Indeed, there are several standouts, but at the same time, there are holes that are missed from the regular course, particularly the 11th, 13th, 14th and the 17th. And there is talk of the reverse old course coming back more regularly in future. Before this time, it was previously played back in March 2008. So it was a long hiatus. But it will return, I think, in the near future, which is welcome, as many would love to play it, myself included. Um, So there's something that you may not have known about the old course. It can seamlessly be played in two opposite directions. And that is just another example of why this remains the most unique, distinct and fascinating of golf courses. It's not like anything else, but open your mind to its layout and you have what Seve once described as being a work of art. My only question to you guys is, when are you coming to play it?
0: Okay, and with that, uh, we have uh, Kieran's take, the history. Uh, you know, he calls Scotland has a new golf course, but only for 48 hours. So, Fred, I would say that, uh, you know, from the outset, when if you look at uh, St. Andrews, the layout, like you were mentioning, in the opposite direction, it really makes sense. Because if you see from the first tee, you make the for the famous road, hole green and the approach it's definitely like a natural one. The front of the green coming in yeah. from the first-18 yeah. fairway over the Swilkin uh, burn is open and allows for a shot to be run in. Uh, and like you were mentioning, there's a lot of things like that bunker to the right and the road to the left. You know that it has to be an accurate one. So it, it, playing the old in the regular direction, it's being said that a key tactic is to stay left when the vast majority... Of most of the penalizing trouble is on the right side right so unsurprisingly when you play the course on the opposite direction then the opposite is the case staying right will generally mean you can continue with the same ball you know and uh, it's really really interesting to see that I would love to be part of those 48 hours at some point at any time play direct but especially reverse to see how it was done on the old times
1: well, I'm like you. I would love to play, get a chance to play the old course hopefully before I die sometime or at least walk it and see it. Um, but I always thought 17 was kind of a hokey hole. You know, for the quality and for the reverence that St. Andrews res- gets and, and probably deserves, um, 17 is stupid. Uh, trying to hit it over the corner of a hotel, that's just, that's idiotic. Uh, I'm sorry. That doesn't make sense to me, and I I know it's a challenge. And I'm probably being sacrilegious, and Kieran's probably gonna next time I see him or talk to him, he's probably gonna uh, lay into me. But uh, I've never been a big fan of that stupid shot, and that green is just absolutely ridiculous. When they the way they normally play, that trying to hit that green with that big face, that bunker sitting there, there's nothing. You might as well just take your medicine, play to the front right corner of that green and either chip back in there or try to putt off the fringe or something, because you can't hold that green if you go at that flag. I mean, very few guys can do it, and if you do, it's just a lucky shot. But you can see, like you're talking about, if you come from the other way, it makes sense to play that green from the other direction. So uh, I think when old Tom was figuring that out, he had a problem with that hole. He didn't know what to do, but he said, okay, here it is. We're going to play it this way, and and so that's what he came up with But yeah, it was an interesting take, Carlos, and uh, it's fun to have Kieran come in and talk about that kind of stuff once in a while. So uh, so really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I would be in favor of the Link's Trust looking towards the old course in reverse being used in more a more regular basis, maybe even for a week or two a year. Uh, I mean, not only it would allow golfing enthusiasts to play the old course, as old Tom would have done, but it would also benefit, uh, be of benefit in terms of wear and tear allowing landing areas to recover and taking the pressure off the highest traffic areas. I mean, an occasional reverse of the old could be the way forward. (laughs) So anyway, with that, we wrap up our VIG, very important guest of the week, Kieran Clark. Thank you for your cooperation. It's always incredible your contributions and the historian that he is. Of course, he's our historian and the European golf guru. Now, we move on to the practice range. Every week, Fred and I pick a topic, and each one of us takes our own shots at it. And this week, is selected, you know, Christmas gifts, but for golfers. I mean, we're going to take a few minutes to talk about Christmas, but presents that any uh, golfer would like. So, Fred, come on, go ahead. Take the, the, the first shot at it. I know you have uh, a big list there. I don't know if a uh, Santa will be able to, you know, get all that to you, but uh, it's an expensive list, you know, but go on, on, give us, give us, give us that list. Come
1: on. Because I mean, if you want to do something different for, for your golfer friend rather than just a dozen golf balls or a shirt or something like that, I mean, there's a lot of different stuff you can do. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of training aids and I, I don't know, you don't, but there's one thing out there called a total golf trainer that uh, I saw last year, and I really was taken by it. I, I really think it's, uh, it's really a, a nice thing. I, I, you can, it really helps you learn the right position to have your hands at the top of your backswing and then to hold that through the hitting area. Um, it's called the Total Golf Trainer, and you can go to their website, just totalgolftrainer.com. Really, really a cool thing. Uh, Carlos, one of the things I always say, you know, everybody, all these golfers, they want to run out and buy the new, newest driver, spend $500, 600 $700 on a new club. Uh, if they would just take half of that money and go buy a few golf lessons, it would probably help them a lot more than uh than buying that club spending that wasting money on new club and so if you're getting a present for a friend uh find a pro get a gift certificate for a couple lessons for your golfer friend your golfaholic friend whatever and uh and and let them get a couple lessons maybe maybe help their game and then um a couple other things carlos i'm just going to mention real quick um you know we talk about a lot about golf travel i i travel quite a bit looking at Different golf resorts. We write about them in Ohio Golf Journal, Michigan Golf Journal. Um, we do the videos for them for Back Nine Report TV. But um, you know, if you're um, you know if you're a wife and you want to do something nice for your husband, um, get him a trip. Get him a golf trip someplace, or you know, do a couples thing. Go someplace, play some golf. Uh, all these great resorts around. Uh, there's too many to to me- to try to mention tonight. Just go to Ohio Golf Journal. Go to the go to our website. Go to Back nine Report TV. Look at all the great golf travel videos and the golf travel stories we have uh, uh, there at those places, and, and pick one that is driving or flying or whatever works for you. And then we we talk about Boeing every week, Carlos, up here in Michigan. If you're up here in the Midwest or maybe you live in the South and you want to go someplace in July that's not so stinking hot. Uh go up there to Petoskey and, and Boyne, uh, beautiful up there in the summertime, uh, and, uh, and book yourself a golf trip up there. It's not that expensive, folks. Uh, a couple thousand dollars goes a long way at a place like that. And uh, then one more thing I'm going to talk about, Carlos, before I turn it back to you, is that um, one of my really good friends, uh, one of our companies that we deal with, is uh, Ace indoor golf and they're right here in Toledo. Um, and they uh, sell and install golf simulators and they can do it to put it in your in your home. Uh, if you think you want to start a retail business uh, with a golf simulation business, they can set you up for that. They've been doing it for over 25 years. They know from where they, they speak. they know all the ins outs and everything about it. Um, you know if you want you want to do something really fancy, for your significant other or your golfer friend, uh, talk about getting a, an in-home uh, golf simulator. So you can play and practice, work on your game uh, every day right in your own home. So, Carlos, that's just a few of the things that uh, I have here to talk about. Uh, of course, there's balls and clubs and all everything else you can imagine, shirts and sweaters and jackets and uh, all that stuff. But uh, I thought I'd just mention a few of the uh, a little bit off the beaten track stuff.
0: So you mean I cannot ask for my Epic uh, Callaway drivers?
1: I mean you uh, can, I, I'm honest, you can, but you'd okay, probably be no. better off served uh, taking a couple golf lessons. I thought I was just gonna
0: improve just by getting a better club, but it no. seems like nah, it's not gonna happen. No. Okay, no. well anyway, I would suggest a collapsible chipping net. You know, I committed to people do anything. To up their game, including practicing chipping in their own backyard. If you have a even a small one, you can have one. You know. Uh, also, golf club groove sharpener. You know, that's a tool that your guy golfer can carry around on the course to keep their clubs in peak condition. I mean, anything to get an extra edge. You can get that done. Also, I love. I mean, to me, I don't know about you, but I love. There are plenty of GPS devices, but Garments to me are the easiest to use on the links. Load up any course on your wrist. It'll be the display, the like, golfer's distance from a number of positions on the course, including, you know, the hazards to avoid along with other precision tricks. So go ahead and do that. Uh, a tool and pocket knife. Case handcraft, there multi-purpose you knife, you know, that makes quick repairs and marking the ball a whole lot easier on the course. You can do that. Uh, I know you don't like them, but, you know, range finders, you know, when you have that crappy eyesight, wind and rain can all make, <laughs> make it difficult to scope out a target farther down the course. So Bushnell's range finders reduce that outside interference for a clearer view if you don't have a good sight. It's just because of that. Also, if you want, you don't want to go outside, you don't need to. You can get the Accelerator Pro putting green. Tap in a few at the office or in the living room. Don't make excuses. You know It auto-returns so it makes this putting green ideal for even the laziest of golfers. Okay. Uh, what else can I tell you? Diva tool. You can get a microfiber uh, towel set, uh, swing caddy, anything that you want to, to get. For you, a golf ball money If you are a golfer, you know, and you want to exhibit your money, hey, I'm also a golfer. See, uh, of course, like you mentioned, there's uh, the 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 Pro V1 golf balls and every and all those else. But yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, good um, ideas that you can get for your favorite golfer. So I'm just throwing them out to see if somebody listens to me and. If there's anything my way, we'll see happens. Uh, uh,
1: what happens. You may want to play this back, later back later your just, just uh, have to your wife. You're in the what, car. You just what, have to play this back. That's stuff. what I'm doing. That's
0: what I'm doing. I didn't want to mention it. You did it. But, you, know, I just, was just, you, you spoiled my secret. I was just going to play it. Look, last night's show was awesome. Listen to the, to the practice regimen. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but anyway anything else you want to add before we move on
1: to our, no just that uh you know there's a lot of choices out there um and you know one of the reasons that golf maintains uh, the place it does in sports is because that the people at play i do have some disposable income and they are willing to buy the next thing and and spend their money on you know on good shirts and clothes and shoes and and all that stuff. And um, so there's a lot of stuff out there to spend your money on. Um, just be careful a little bit what you do. But uh, um, get your golf or something that you can use and have a good time with and uh, uh, enjoy the game a little bit more. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas to all. And, of course, we still have more shows, and we'll be keeping saying that as we go on. But with that, we wrap up our practice range. And now we're going to move on to our final putts. And uh, Jason Day of the international team is out. So on Friday, he announced that the trouble with his back has caused him to withdraw from competing on the international team at Royal Melbourne uh, next week. So he had been one of Ernie L's four captains picked for the team chosen earlier this month. And he's from Australia, so he would have been uh, native to be there. He's played five times and his uh, familiarity with the host course would have making somebody that Ernie else was likely to relay a lot, rely a lot on. But, hey, the one that is going to be uh, replacing him is going to be Benny Ann, uh, the South Korean native, had three top ten finishes and eight top 25s during this past uh, PGA Tour season. We have talked about him being a possible uh, Strong candidate to be a captain's pick, so it seems like, you know, Ernie else took little time to fill the open spot in his team. So that gives you the knowledge that, yes, he was being referred to as a strong play for the international team. So, Fred, that's my take on the final putts.
1: Um one thing that came uh, through today uh Graham McDowell is going to host be the host for the Irish Open in 2020 and 2021 um Rory snubbed him last year, didn't play, so you know Gmac's going to be the host going forward. Another thing I found interesting uh Chad Campbell been you know on PGA tour for a long time, always been a great ball striker. Ten years ago, he helped the Adams company develop the irons that he still plays with today. Uh, the company quit making them. Um, you know, TaylorMade bought out Adams, and they quit making that line of clubs. And uh, Campbell still had a few sets that he had gathered up over the years, but he's getting down to the last couple, and he can't get any more of those clubs. He even offered to buy a set from one of the other pros that they wouldn't turn loose of. Um, so, uh, you know, he's still okay for another few years or a couple years yet, but uh, one of these days he's going to have to change irons. Because he can't get those old ones anymore. So almost sounds like somebody wanted to play with the old wooden clubs instead of moving on to graphite like they do. So uh, but uh, more power to him. Uh, he's still been he's made a good living in golf, made a lot of money playing those old Adams irons. So uh, Carlos, um, we've got uh, the November issue of Ohio Golf Journal is still uh, there on the website. People can go and look at that. The December issue will be coming out uh, uh, a week from from uh, tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, and um, we've got a great video on back and non-report TV. I urge people to go and check that out. Um, so, you know, we're getting closer to Christmas. We're going to just a little tease. We're going to have our year-end show on December 17th. Uh, hopefully, Carlos will be with us. And we'll do our countdown of the uh, ten biggest stories. I can't imagine what that will be. I could, I could, I could probably tell you a couple of them right this minute. But uh, our lists are being made, and and you will compile those, and uh, we'll talk about those on December seventeenth. So, Carlos, the year's winding down, but there's still a, more, a couple more weeks of go off to talk about, and we'll be back here uh, next Tuesday.
0: Well, Back Nineers, that wraps up another week of the Back Nine Report. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to our VIG, very important guest of the week, the European golf guru, Kieran Clark. Thank you for another insight on the history of golf there and how and why it's played the old course in reverse. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. If you missed it, check it out on iTunes or tune in also on Roku TV. If you haven't done so, follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is at Back9Report with the number 9 in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres along with Fred Alvader. We wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody.